Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Man, there was a bear bear, all black and brown and covered in hair. Hi, I'm Clotho, and you can find me at Clotho Spindle on Twitter. And today I'm joined with Chicky. Hey, I am Chicky. I'm at the Chikrin on Twitter. And Devin. Hey, this is Devin GD Harpo on Twitter. We're going to be discussing John's eighth and final chapter in A Clash of Kings. Uh, trigger warnings for all the usual subjects: uh, violence and potential discussions of rape. Um, Corin Halfhound has asked John to find kindling for a fire. Um, Sort of a lot of this beginning part is John sort of thinking back to how they end up in this position by the fire. Um, John thinks their end is near, and you know he's thinking kind of morose thoughts, like wondering if Ghost will howl for him when he dies. You know, like how you know the wolves are connected, and will they all howl? And you know, that gets him thinking about his family, and he's uh, he notices that they're being watched, like pretty much like consistently like by this eagle and each time they hear the hunting horn it gets louder and closer um the half hand has already sent Eben to ride east back the way they came to get a message to mormont um they start off towards the southwest um and he's thinking you know everything just became a blur it's just like white and cold and just endless um and with that eagle it's still following um the last guy with those two is a stone snake, and he lost his horse um, on this really treacherous uh, low ridge between some mountain peaks. And, you know, he's at this point, uh, the stone snake is like, look, I'll stay back and I could take a few down with them as he puts it to hell with me. Um, you know, and you guys can maybe make your way escape, you know, and. Corrin refuses and tells him that he has to go to the fist. And if anyone can make it there, you know, maybe you can. And, you know, tell Mormont what John saw, you know, what he saw and how exactly what's going on. And, you know, John's thinking that this guy doesn't have any chance as he's watching this little, you know, he's disappearing, this dot across this expanse of white. Um, Every night is colder than the last. Um, (sighs) Yeah, it's just. You can feel the cold. In this chapter, yeah. like the yeah. cold is everywhere, and it's cold terrible. And confused because yeah. like, right? yeah. when he's talking about where they're going, where yes. he sent Evan back to, like riding this yeah, way and that was... way, I'm just like, what? Yeah, I know. I was like, <laughs> I just know it's cold. rereading, <laughs> trying to visualize what the hell was going on. Yeah, because there's not a lot of markers. <laughs> like he's like, <laughs> it's like, God. <laughs> If it was hard for us to figure it out, I'm sure it's hard for them to figure where they were going. Oh my god, what a mess. Um, so they're sitting in front of this fire, and the half-hand asks him, you know, to say the vows of the Night's Watch together, and they run through them, and, you know, then he follows it, I guess he's trying to, you know, solidify that in his brain, and he tells John to yield if they're captured. You just have to yield, and John's like, I won't do that, I won't do that, and um, Corin commands him to. He's like, you have to. And I'll read this next uh, part here. Um, then hear me. If we are taken, you will go over to them. As the wild, wildling girl you captured once urged you. 
They may demand that you cut your cloak to ribbons, that you swear them an oath on your father's grave, that you curse your brothers and your lord commander. You must not balk whatever is asked of you. Do as they bid you, but in your heart remember who and what you are. Ride with them, eat with them, fight with them for as long as it takes, and watch. For what? John asked. Would that I knew, said Corin. Your wolf saw the, their diggings in the valley of the milk water. What did they seek in such a bleak and distance pla- distant place? Did they find it? That is what you must learn before you return to Lord Mormont and to your brothers. That is the duty I lay on you, John Snow. I'll do as you say, John said reluctantly, but you will tell them, won't you, the old bear at least. You'll tell them that I never broke my oath. And Corin Halfhound gazed at him across the fire, his eyes lost in pools of shadows. shadow. He said, when I see him next, I swear it. Oh, this is such a seminal moment for John in a way, because this is like going to set him up for like basically adjusting his worldview and the way that he views these things. I mean, he was very much brought up under Ned Stark's rigid view of honor and honorable behavior. And this is someone else that he respects literally commanding him to do something dishonorable for the greater good. And like, this is, this is something that is going to stick with John, these, these concepts. Um, and eventually drive him to his to his death, yeah. but you know things happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, to give a little behind the scenes, uh, so we do like three of these at a time, and the one thing like these three chapters that we've done today, there's like a theme of duty because mm. in the first one we did where we do um we did Sansa's okay. chapter where there are people who are now being able to swear fealty to um, Joffrey, even though they were just fighting against them because they were doing their duty. Um, in the last one, um, the Theon chapter, we have Maester Lewin, who could have forsaken his duty and tried to kill Theon or do anything, um, just given what Theon had done um, to the Starks and everything. But he's doing his duty, and he says as much in the chapter, you know, I'm a maester, I serve the realm. Um, and now here where Corin is laying this on John, like, no, this is your duty. Like, this is what I'm tasking you to yeah. do. And like, you ha- you know, you have to do it. Um, are you a brother of the Night's Watch or not? Um, and so I just thought that was really interesting um, with this block of chapters we had here. Yeah, it's really, really heavy. Yeah. You know, that's true. And you know what else runs as a thread through all of these, Devin, like you're talking about is how. Uh, flexibility is involved if you're going to survive your duties. You need <laughs> yes. to be a little flexible. And that is another thing that, that kind of runs through this. And, you know, whether or not you're able to be flexible <laughs> very much determines if you're going to survive or not. Yeah, because uh, being rigid in this world, it just it doesn't um, make for a long time. It's a nice, honorable death. Yes. Yeah. See, Ned. Yeah. Well, in some ways, I guess. Yeah. Because even he, even he, even he has to let go of the honor at the end. I, yeah, I, it, it's, it's a, it's, you know, this is, this is a, this is an ongoing theme, something that George likes to play with. He clearly questions the concept of, of honor above all and, and what honor is actually worth and if honor is actually honorable. And, you know, as we see over and over, it's really not all the time. And I mean, you see here what what Corin's after. He's like, look, we're we're facing an existential threat. We've yeah. got to play dirty. You know, you you've got to you've got to infiltrate these people and find out what the fuck is going on. Yeah, I mean, and it's a, it's a it is a good decision. I mean, it's just ultimately, it, what is everything else going to matter if like you know the world's destroyed? So yeah, oh, and uh, so Corin tells John they will ride out that night. Um, 
they're going to leave the fire burning to hopefully draw the hunters forward. Um, you know, they still notice this eagle's been everywhere, so it's kind of some of the stuff seems like it's potentially futile, but they have to try. And um, they're going to retrace their steps back and hopefully not run into them. Um, they get to, this is what Corin was trying to get to, I guess, when they backtrack, was this half-frozen, sounds like waterfall situation. And, you know, the that sounds crazy. They're going through this, like, part of it's still wet, and they get soaked, and it's freezing, and, you know, they stay there overnight and inside the cave, just inside the entrance, and then they're going through the heart of the mountain the next morning, which is, like, you know, thinking about, like, the few caves that I've been in, it doesn't really work like this. Like, there's mm-hmm. unless someone dug it out, you can't just take a horse through. I mean, you, you watch shows about caving. Sometimes people get in and they just can't get any further. Like, it's kind of fascinating. But yeah, there's spots that are like 12 inches, you know, wide, and people are sliding through, and then just you know, you hit water and things can't pass. But we're just gonna imagine this nice tunnel the horses can get through. Um, but uh, so they come out. You know, the other side and the damn eagles there again <laughs> that's the first thing john notices it's perched on a dead tree nearby um and corn's just like okay this is as good a place as any to make what essentially ends up being his last stand um and they hear the hunting horns and the hounds and the eagle screams um 14 hunters and eight dogs approach them um they get this really descriptive of a rattle shirt and all his bones and his you know, Chastity's got this big helmet. And- this is this is a very good intro to rattle shirt. But for the first time, I was thinking, how much sense does this rattling shirt make if you're someone who's like living their life, like creeping through the forest, trying to creep up on people and animals and stuff? I don't know. I don't know if it is. Yeah, and it echoes in the snow. Because it seems to be loud. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. So... <laughs> So and Ronald starts like, you know, kind of, okay, I'm going to have their bones next. And, you know, he makes this big show out of telling the spear wife um, she pulls Eben's head out of a sack. And this is so sad. I know poor Eben. He's, he's bald. Like, just George, these details. He's bald. So she had to hold him by an ear. Like, oh, gosh. Um, so does Stone Snake <laughs> actually escape? I can't remember if we see him again. Did he actually I get was away? wondering. I was going <laughs> to. I, 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 I forgot to look that thing. up. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to remember. I don't know if we do see him again, though. I, I don't remember. I hope he does. <laughs> like Someone does. He got out He got out of that life. Um, uh, so, yeah, she pulls it out and Corrin warns them. I'm war- sorry, warns John. He's kind of like telling him, like, look, they're going to do this kind of stuff. They're going to taunt you, both of us, into making mistakes. And that's when John just sort of abruptly yells, like, he's, they're going to, he says, they will yield. And then Corrin says, no, they warned me. Um, you know, he's not going to do it. He's like, the, the, and they warned me the bastard blood was craven. I see it is so. Run to your new masters, coward. And John descends the slope like he was told to, and Rattleshirt, you know, it's like, well, okay, we don't need them. We don't need Cravens. And Ygritte, you know, sort of pulls off her helm and reveals herself, you know, and they say her curly red hair. And she's like, he's the bastard of Winterfell who spared her. And the eagle screeched in fury. And she tells him, you know, the bird's the man that, you know, had been a man before you killed him, and he's trapped in this form, and he hates you now. That's all that's about the screeching and rage. And Ratter's shirt uh, orders John to kill Corrin to prove himself. And uh, Corrin scoffs, you know, he's still doing this 
playing his part. He says, as if he could, and he swings his sword at John. And, you know, he's remembering the words from the days before. You must not balk whatever's asked of you. And, you know, he's, he's fighting hard. He's making it look like he's not, you know, this wasn't planned. Because he's really fighting John. And it's a long time, and John's feeling his fingers go numb. And Ghost leaps in to bite Corn's ankle. And at that point, John finds an opening and cuts his throat. And as Corn dies, he realizes that, you know, he knew this. And... You know, he thought of his brothers both in the watch and at Winterfell and how he lost them all. And, you know, he's thinking, who is he now? What what was he? You know, is his life like in that moment so drastically changed? <sighs> Man. No. I don't know. It's a... Uh, this is a... <laughs> yeah. 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 And I was surprised by how quickly, like, um, Corrin, like, half-hand jumps into it. And I think that was, like, to give John the choice to not even have to think about it. Like... Yeah. I mean, it has to be done, like, as John said, like, he knew this would happen, so. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh. Yeah. No, go on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was just an update on Stone, uh, Stone Snake. He's still afoot and unaccounted for. And oh. Yeah. oh. Maybe he got away. Yeah. And Stone maybe George Snake, will, who knows, it. maybe George will write about it and have a whole extra chapter on it. Sure he <laughs> will. Stone Snake, new PV, POV, and uh, <laughs> yeah. that's, what, that's what's taken so long. I'm, I'm glad he isn't dead, at least. <laughs> oh, that we know of. So. <laughs> oh, gosh. What's interesting here is that they, they called John out as a warg. Oh. oh, yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, he's a warg. Are we sure we want him? It was interesting. <laughs> I mean, they've got a rel right there. Why are they saying that? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you would think that would be like your. I thought that would be kind of more because uh, it sounds like you know. Th- and this segues is a good segue into the, the the last little bit here that Ygritte tells them like who he is and like you know yeah. just, just like who John is and and <laughs> they're still like I think she's some of them. It sounds like are getting slowly swayed and but Rattleshirt's just like he's gonna just gut him and she's still protesting. The others are like no, oh, you know, didn't do this and he. he uh, that was the it, John notices that he says, "Okay, this is how I can see that this is things are a little different here because it's almost they like should, a, a vote, not a formal vote, but like a yeah. you know a vibe. Like, okay, this many people <laughs> don't want this to happen. He just backs down. He's not happy about it. Yeah. He's like, let him live. Like, I think that was important for John to see because he has the thought that these truly are free folk. Yeah, <laughs> democracy at work." <laughs> <laughs> Rattleshirt's not a dictator. <laughs> so they they burn corn on a pyre, and uh, Rattleshirt claims some of the charred burn, burn uh, bones afterwards. And I thought that was a little more less like dramatic than what he was threatening to do. You know, it's kind of like, oh, okay, they already burned him. How he, you know, how they would do a formal, almost ceremonial thing. And I'll just grab a couple of the bones. I thought that was less like ghoulish. <laughs> <laughs> I respect your I respect your big bird. After that I'll take some bones. Like, That's okay, bone gathering. <laughs> with him with uh Corin dying. And so it like when when Rattleshirt says like he's gonna take his bones, I'm like, is there gonna be a whole thing at the end of this chapter with him like <laughs> doing a whole ritual like <laughs> He's just like, no, nah, I'll take some. <laughs> I'll just grab a couple of these yeah. up. <laughs> Um, and okay, so and the other ones, you know, it's the some of it's not so respectful. They're throwing dice for the gear and who's going to get the stuff. And I think Ygritte gets his cloak and 
she she gives John a, a Ben here. She gives him a sad look and says that by now, you know, because John's asking like if they're going to go back to where Vance is, and he's no. By now, he's well down the milk water and marching on the wall. Um, yeah. And that's the end of the chapter. I don't, do we have any mail? Yes. John. Yeah. So we have one that's uh, the episode specific. Um, so Buck O'Hare on Discord. How far did Corn let John win? I think Corin had to make it convincing. Yeah. So he fought yeah. hard enough. But yeah, I mean, like at a certain point, he clearly let John win because John's yeah. heart was not in it. And it was no, interesting. And I, don't, that, and I also yeah. don't think he was counting on Ghost. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. And I was thinking yeah. that too. I guess Ghost is like, okay, he knew that they were together, but at some point he it flipped a switch for him that he's gonna kill you know, potentially could kill John, so he stepped in. Well, and the fact that Ghost only grabbed his ankle is probably a sign oh. that he he didn't maybe want to kill him. But didn't yeah. Oh, yeah. that's a good point, yeah. Because yeah. I think Ghost was just goes like in my mind, Ghost was kind of like, wait, I thought we were like, I thought we were boys. Like, <laughs> like, like I, wait a minute. I remember how the dogs we were little. If we would fight, some of them would get angry, like try to separate us. So maybe that's where, you know, he's trying to separate. Oh, don't fight, don't fight. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, our other mail. Um, so we have an anon from Tumblr. Um, and this goes back to our last Danny chapter we did, where good old Arston Whitebeard shows up. Um. I'm a Barristan hater. I, I just am so annoyed by his in-story popularity and his false honor. He never did what was right. I see Jamie killing Ares to save the city, sacrificing his reputation, and Ned lies to save an innocent baby, John and Sansa, also uh, with a sacrifice to his reputation as different examples of real honor, doing the right thing because it's right, regardless of consequence. Barristan always seems to me like someone who cares to be perceived as honorable by being obedient and passive, but never does anything we can call honorable. But I haven't reread his chapter, so I'm glad to be proven wrong during your reread. Love you, ladies and gents. I am loving the reread. Oh, thank you. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that that is a fair point. I like I get the point. I get the point about Barristan not not doing the I'm always just like I don't think he's that bad. I mean like he's no Ramsey, like you know, yeah, he's not that bad. I mean and not that great, but who Not really that is? great. No, he's not he's not he's not the great great hero. I mean, he is right. a hero. In some respect, though, but yeah. And I guess no, that's I, what, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I guess that's what makes it even-handed, because it's, like, realistic in the sense that nobody's, like, there are people they are just, you know, they're doing what they think is best, and it's not, you know, may not be up to, like, morals, but they're yeah. trying to make it work the yeah. best that they can. I respect your opinion, Anon. <laughs> um, our last piece of mail from a stranger giving the strange welcome on Tumblr. Hi, ladies and gent. With yet another Danny chapter past us, which included yet more weird George, she breasted boobily content. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to verbalize my confusion and frustration at the fact that GRM is not, nor has he ever been maidenless. I don't understand how he can write all the, all this crap while being in a long-term relationship with Paris McBride literally since he began writing these novels. Why doesn't A Song of Ice and Fire read like uh, read like the author knows how sex and biology works? 
Not to place the burden on McBride, but I also don't understand how you date and then marry a man for 40 years and read his stuff without getting embarrassed and taking him aside and being like, honey, what the fuck? We don't do we don't do this. <laughs> like That's your man. Your friends are going to read his read this novel, read his novels and think, what the fuck? That's Paris's man. Right. This shit. How can you not want to correct him? I find it especially maddening because he writes women so well in all the other ways. His women are rich and diversely written and not at all stereotypical. When I think about characters like Brienne and Cersei, who could have easily been defined by their tropes, warrior maiden, evil queen, and instead are these complex characters with deep backstories and motivations and fully developed personalities, it really gets me confused and sad. How can George write such compelling women while also being such a male gaze writer with sex and whatnot? I mean, that is the question. I mean, obviously no one's perfect. (laughs) I guess it's part of the, (laughs) part of the explanation. I mean, you're right. He does write women. Um, I would say in the context of fantasy anyway, high fantasy, he does write women much better than most of his cis male contemporaries. Much, 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 much better. But I mean, the male gaze still exists in so many chapters and in Danny's especially, which is especially disgusting because she's so young and it's gross. And I wonder, I mean, it's been so long. I wonder if, you know, with all these you know, I even feel like in the past 10 or 15, 20 years, things have changed even more. Like, it feels like there's sort of these leaps and bounds and like, Oh, they have. So I wonder if he will, I don't know. know. Do you think he'd dig in or do you think he'd take any of Do you think they're getting George, like a sensitivity reader, his his editors (laughs) now? They might be, they actually might be. I I don't know. I would imagine there would be something. That would be good. Yeah. Because I mean, it would just seem at that point, it would seem stubborn. Like you can, a lot of people say, oh, well, it was the top. Like at this point, you're running out of chances because he's taking so long to write them that it could be edited. Yeah, because with some of the early stuff, you you can't. Oh, it's 90s, you know. But it was the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, it was the writing of the time and it was how it was done. But that, I mean, that wouldn't fly anymore. So. No, no, it wouldn't. And. I don't know. I hope his. I hope if not his wife, his editors maybe intervene a little more. I'll say this: you, you do notice a little bit of a change, at least with the flat out, like you know, some of the male gaze stuff by dance. He has. He is a little better about some of this. What he's not great at. Is yeah, about, I was thinking that too. I was wondering if everybody else had noticed, but I thought it a little mm-hmm. bit. There's been some. It's a little better, but what ago. he's what he's not great at understanding. This this seems to be something that a lot of people have trouble understanding. Yeah. Not just as men, but uh, you know, when when you use um, gendered violence, sexual violence against women, especially for plot points, it's not just about oh, I'm doing this to empower women. You know, like, oh, she's going to overcome this or whatever. It's it's about why do we rely so much on those plot points to yeah. to drive to drive our stories? And why is that something we just keep falling back on over and over and over? And I would say dance is an example of him definitely, definitely not leaving those mm. those points behind by any means. And um, I think that's another thing that has been part of the conversation in the last six or seven years that hopefully would maybe maybe change in any potential book that we'll never actually see. Uh, it would be refreshing if, yeah, if we could get them and see that. <laughs> yeah. 
Just, just, just maybe we could just stop using sexualized violence to drive all our stories. Maybe that would be a great. That, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no matter who we think is empowered by it. Uh, and that is all the okay, all the mail. And on that note, <laughs> and on that, well, that's I a know. strong note, though. You know, <laughs> it needs to be said. Yeah. Um. Any final thoughts? I mean, I. You know, I guess it's it's turning point. Major, it's a major big turning point. point for John. I love John so much, and I know that I'm. Uh, well, no, Devin loves John too, so yeah. I don't. Feel yeah, bad. yeah, I like I John. He was one of my favorites um, at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, this is you know John. John really, John really does have to learn a lot, and he has to learn a lot of it the really hard way. But it is kind of fun to watch. I kind of kind of like watching John get tortured. Yeah, a bit. and this actually is like gets. I mean, for him, I think the stuff with Yagrat. I mean, obviously there's a tragedy, but I think this is a nice. I mean, it's difficult, but I think it's kind of a nice part of his. You know, comparatively, like the way he's been going, there's like a nice little interlude in his life. It is. It's bit. good. I mean, he's he's literally killing his heroes here. This yeah. is this is interesting character development. You know. Okay, so added a little bit of a positive note with these chapters. Like, I, I try to think what the what, we got. We got the last one coming, but um, yeah, we're almost at the end of this book. And oh yeah, there's one more. Yeah, one more. Uh, yeah, uh, we got it. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, you can't let us be too happy. So. <laughs> Okay, you can reach us at close the door and at gmail.com on Tumblr at close the door and come here at tumblr.com. Submit questions to the chapter threads on Jamie and Brand's subreddit. Follow us on Twitter at door podcast. Please like, review, subscribe to us on iTunes, um, Podbean, Google Play, wherever you might listen. And please support us on Patreon at close the door. Um, thanks again for another great conversation. Um, closing the door, get out. <laughs>